we do inhabit those characters when we're writing fiction and even when we're writing nonfiction. You're right there, you're in that person's head and you, you can be that person, but it isn't you. Poetry, whether it really is you or not, it feels like that. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have author Joan Cooper. In October 2019, Finishing Line Press published her new book of poetry titled Birds Like Me. Her poetry is set against the backdrop of the eastern shore, places like Assateague Island and the Ocean City Inlet, and looks at the quiet and intimate moments of life. In addition to her book of poetry, Joan has also been asked to speak at the Edgar Allan Poe House in Baltimore on March 8th, 2020. So welcome back to the podcast, Joan. Thank you. I think this might be your second or third trip Third around. trip. Yeah, third trip around. Mm-hmm. So we have quite a bit of ground to cover <laughs> uh-huh. because your previous visits, we talked a lot about your, your fiction novel series, Lilac Hill. But today we're here for your book of poetry, which I'm very excited to, to talk about. So thank you. Um, would you talk a little bit about sort of how this collection of poetry kind of came to be and where, where, where you are with that? Well, it's funny because like a lot of writers, I think poetry just comes to me like in little spurts. Um, I don't do it on purpose. It's just like a line will appear to me and then it's joined by other lines And I write a lot of poetry talking into my phone on the way to work. (laughs) So, and, and, you know, slowly you go back to it and you polish it and polish it. And I took a really important course with Nancy Mitchell through the um, Lighthouse Literacy Group. Yep. And it turned into a two-year experience. Oh, wow. So it was going to be a one-off, you know, Mm. take this little course once a week uh, with a friend of mine from work. And it turned into this tight group where we would just polish and we'd try things out. So it forced me to go back and take a look at my old writing. And most of the time I would write poetry with students because you're attending to their needs, not your own needs when you're in the classroom and you're writing. I've taught creative writing for on and off 15 years, you know, depending on what they need at school. So I had these pieces, and I went back to them, and I was shocked. All of a sudden, I had about 30 to 40 poems that I wasn't completely embarrassed Mm. to read in front of people. (laughs) Right. And uh, from there, it sort of morphed into about 50 pages, which is incredible. And I know from a fiction writer's standpoint, that's nothing. You know, (laughs) we're looking at 300 pages, you know, uh, 40,000 words to 80,000 words usually, where poetry is so compressed, 50 pages of poetry is probably more than that amount, more Mm. than a novel. Right. Which putting the project together to actually send it out was a real experience because all of a sudden I'm shuffling things that I didn't realize went together, and they did. Well, that is the fascinating thing. I've only recently come to understand what a chap book is. Is this as a chap book? Or is this, this started just a out book? as a chap book okay. and finishing line press. Mm. Hats off to them. They are very generous people. They worked with me and extended it to re- regular book length. 
um, the initial reading uh, open was for a chapbook. Mm -hmm. And here's my true story about this book. Um, I submitted it in a different format, a little bit smaller, to Dogfish Head. Turned down for that one. Uh, That was a few years ago. Um, Last spring, I entered it in a chapbook contest with Wells College. I was contacted by them, and they said I was in contention, and I was really excited because Wells College does this beautiful chapbook that is hand-bound. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the covers are gorgeous, and I was really excited. And the week of Thanksgiving, I received that horrible email that you get all the time, and I take rejection really well. I'm rejected all the time, and I'm accepted some of the time. And it was that my book had managed to get to the top three, and they didn't take it. Oh, goodness. And I had one day off, you know, teaching. It's kind of fun. And right before Thanksgiving, I had one day off where I didn't have to cook. You know, I didn't have to do much. And I said to my husband, I'm going to sit in this room, and I'm going to find a place to send this thing, because it was good enough to get to the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I figured that the title was terrible. So I looked through my poems and said, which title do I like the best? And I'm not kidding. This is exactly what I did. And Birds Like Me is a funny poem. Well, I think it's funny. About shopping at Food Lion in Ocean Pines. And anybody who's been there understands what I'm talking about. (laughs) But um, I'm laughing at this. And I thought, this is my title. You know, with like no more forethought than that. And then I went to Duotrope and said, I to myself, I want someone to read this without having to pay for them to read it. Mm -hmm. So I only sent it to them. That was all I had time to do. You know, brushed it up, gave it a new title, and, you know, followed their submission guidelines and sent it off and thought, I'll probably never hear anything. March, I get a gorgeous email Uh, asking for permission to publish, followed up by a letter, a handwritten letter, congratulating me for being chosen. So that's my like fairy tale story. That's fantastic. I haven't sent that much poetry out. I write a lot of flash fiction. Mm -hmm. I write novels, you know, and I write short stories. And my publication history is basically that. So I'm sorry, you you caught me off guard. Now I have different questions. Okay. (laughs) Uh, the first one I think is 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 the is the obvious one. What was the old title? Oh, I have a poem that I'm still devoted to. I find it very hard to read in public because it was um, inspired by my dad, and it's called Rogue Tarps. And he would tell stories. His favorite. We're going to talk about Edgar Allan Poe later, but his favorite story to read to us every year was The Descent into the Maelstrom by Edgar Allan Poe which if you've ever read it, is really, really long. And the three of us would sit and listen to it, and the way he could read it, you could imagine it. Okay. But he used to tell us about things that float right underneath the water. And one of the things, well, we lived on the water, and you have to be careful, you know, go out or swim. We did a lot of swimming in the river. You have to be careful things that are floating right underneath. And some of them that he told these stories about were rogue tarps, as in sails that got away or Mm. covers that got away. 
and they are really dangerous, particularly for props and for swimmers. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just with some of the political rhetoric that's going on, it's just the wrong title. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually, after hearing Rogue Tarps, I'm like, nope, birds like me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lighter, yeah. lighter. And I was shocked at how much humor there actually was in the poetry. And I find humor really difficult to write. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you gotta yeah. have a special knack for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you talked about one of the things you were, in what you were just when you were just talking recently. One of the things that kind of came to mind, and I don't know if it was something that Nancy Mitchell has said to me, or if you said it, or if you told me that Nancy Mitchell said <laughs> it. But you know. Working with poet, being a fiction writer, and then working within the genre of poetry in which you have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of space on the page. So you really have to create striking images that mm-hmm. stay with the reader. You have to be concise. You you don't have pages and pages to hope your reader gets the point. You have to be, you know, laser focused with word choice and how you create those images, and then to be able to take those lessons and then go back to your fiction and kind of fold those lessons back in. That was the whole reason uh, Barb Champ and I particularly took that first course with Nancy Mitchell. We were both looking at how do you sharpen up your word choices? How do you, she wanted to fine tune her use of figurative language. And I just wanted to be more aware of every word that I chose you know, when we published the first book, what a time. I, <laughs> I, read, I read it in print the first time. I mean, true print, not, not typewritten, you know, not the printed pages. Yeah, book form, yeah. Book form. I thought, oh, my goodness, why did I choose to use some of those words over and over and over again? And it, you know, it's so obvious when you see it in book format. And so embarrassing, really. I'm very, 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 very sensitive to that. Very. In, in my own writing and in other people's mm-hmm. writing. I'm, I can, when I've gone back to find the last time I used a word, when, when I'm like, yes. I think I've used that in the last 300 or 500 words, I, I got to check because it, it'll mm-hmm. drive me, it'll drive me crazy. Especially, like you said, when you see it back, you're like, how did, how did I miss that? You know, why, why was I locked exactly. in on that? Why did I need to everyone to know that this is the word that I really want them to come away from this book thinking about? Yeah, it's a glitchy thing. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. We've all got them. And I, I feel like each writer has certain words that we just, you know, overuse or they're just too much in our in our arsenal. And when I went back to edit the um, the book of poetry, Birds Like Me, I became very aware of that because there were so many poems that to me were the same poem. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at him going, is that the same poem? And did I just, was I playing with word choice Mm -hmm. and fooled myself into thinking it was a different poem? Um, You've read the book. There's a lot of dog walking in the book. There is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like a little technique because, you know, people meditate. Nancy Mitchell is a... Um, big believer of meditation. She's a very good person to learn with. I realized through this process that 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 is exactly how I meditate. Walking is really important. You're out in nature, you're looking around, the dog's with you, and she kind of like snaps me back into paying attention to what I'm really doing, not just looking up at how blue the sky happens to be, or, you know, the birds that are hanging around, or 
you know, neighbors. You're listening to So What's Your Story on WSDL 90.7 FM. This week, we're joined by Joan Cooper speaking about Birds Like Me, her latest collected works of poetry. So were there moments where when you had that original collection of like 40 poems and as you go through and you realize, okay, this one and this one are pretty similar, did you then take those two poems and try to either combine them into one or does one get scrapped or do you take what you like out of one, push it into the other? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. what is that process like? Well, I scrapped a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I scrapped a good bit. And the other interesting point, about this collection is that it was a lot larger. Uh, I took out at least two poems that, um, and many thanks to my sister, both my sister Pat and my daughter Becca, who read these two particular poems and said, if you don't want to hurt everybody's feelings, (laughs) or you, just in case you want this one person to speak to you again, Mm. why don't you just save this? You know, and it was really difficult because they were two very important pieces. Um, so every time I read from Birds Like Me in public, that's the other thing, I realize how personal poetry actually is. Yeah. You know, um, the novels you were talking, I can't remember to whom, but about inhabiting characters mm-hmm. and we do inhabit those characters when we're writing fiction. And even when we're writing nonfiction, you're right there. You're in that person's head and you you can be that person. But it isn't you. Poetry, whether it really is you or not, it feels like that. You're inhabiting yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, scrapping them, it was, it was a very personal experience. And if I did find myself just like repeating lines, I just took one completely out because they do operate by themselves as a whole. Yeah, that was my next question is, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in creating this collection, did you, were you trying to kind of set up, because you are a fiction writer, so you're, you're sort of a storyteller by nature. So there was this question in my mind, like, the way that these poems are set up, are you trying to kind of navigate us through a story or were these meant to just be open the book and it's standalone? There, um, I have four sections. So the first section is moving east because that's what we did. And it kind of unlocked a lot of different writing and a lot of different types of creativity for both my husband and myself. Um, so that's the first section. And then there's a work section. Uh, There are pieces that I've either written with students or in reaction to teaching because you can't do something 29 years. And not (laughs) have a feeling about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there are, um, I don't know, there are a few poems in there that are out of loss. I've lost four students this year alone. Oh my, I'm so sorry. It's part of the job, but it's not a good part of the job. You know, what we're going through in this country right now, either with heroin or with depression, is a really serious thing. So that's one little section. And then another section, it's going to sound crazy, but because I write fiction, there are a lot of characters that show up and like tell their own thing. 
And you can see that it shifts that way too. Mm-hmm. And it goes into um, basically characters telling their own stories. And finally, there's sort of a family section, stories that have come out of the great big family that I do have, including friends. And so separating them, those are choices that you have to make as part of the as part of the editing process. And did you find with the you you mentioned the the two poems that you that you scrapped out of uh, better cooler heads prevailing? <laughs> we'll say, right. but were there any that got scrapped because they didn't fit into these, or were or were there poems that you you're like it, it fits enough? You know, like we we do the we do this writing thing, the mm-hmm. this uh, the uh, live readings every every month, and it's like. It's close, you know. It it doesn't have to be hard and fast on the theme. If it if it if anyone could spend twenty minutes making an argument for why it's on the theme, then then that's close enough. So, I, I understand that balance between right on the nose and close enough that it fits in the section. And this doesn't have any place to because since it is a book, it does have to have some sort of cohesion. And so, saying you know what, this is going to break the cohesion. Like it has to come out, or this is too close to breaking the cohesion. Can I fix it? Any of those? There, There is one poem in there that I felt like I probably could have taken it out. And um, I liked it enough, and I'm afraid that the novel that the character belongs in will never be published. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting your it's, chance to live here. Yeah, it's, it's close to my heart, but I, I just don't know that it will ever make the grade. I've ri- I've overwritten this particular novel, uh-huh. and uh, and it's about a runaway, a girl who's run away and has managed to get herself into a very bad situation. Mm. It's based on the truth, based on a real story, but I think I hope I gave her a better ending. But um, it's at a desperate point, and it right. really didn't fit right. But it fit into those stories told to me by other characters people close enough mm, close, close yeah. enough yeah. <laughs> and it's a really long poem and yeah I, it's a dubious choice my the book that i'm working on right now um and i'm working title is craft the idea is that we take words and what do we craft them into like you can take a a, a word like boat it means so many different things to so many different people mm. And I've been working with that, and they fit. But I'm doing it purposefully. You're listening to So What's Your Story on WSDL 90.7 FM. This week, we're joined by Joan Cooper speaking about Birds Like Me, her latest collected works of poetry. You can subscribe to this show on the podcaster of your choice. Just go to sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com, where you can click on our Apple podcast or our Stitcher link. Well, I know that when you were working with Finishing Line Press, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but I kind of wanted to circle back just because I think it's such a kind of a beautiful moment. Like so many authors, like you and I worked on um, together on, on the Lilac Kill series, and then, you know, you sent me an email and you're like, I think I'm going to get traditionally published with this book of poetry. <laughs> and you were so happy. And I thought, like, 
how how wonderful that moment had to have been when uh, when a traditional publisher says, "Hey, we want to take this, we want to publish it, we want to do the whole nine yards." And I mean, it it just feels like a, a moment that you know we all sort of wish for and, and want to happen for us. The funny thing is that um, last year I was teaching at James M. Bennett. I'm at Kenwood High School now, super happy, um, but I had period seven off. So it's the end of the day. And I open up my personal email. I usually open it up once a day just to look at it, put it away, and then stay at school till five or six o'clock working on school because that's life of a school teacher. So I happen to open up my personal email and there it is. There is that acceptance note. And I read it and I read it again. And then I printed it, which is something I try not to do at work. And I ran into my very good friend's classroom and excused myself because of course she's in the middle of teaching and I said you just have to read this and we both cried oh mm-hmm. and then she told the kids what it meant and the kids were like oh my goodness we've never met anyone who's been so it was just like that perfect moment that- yeah and it's acceptance it because is. um it's very hard it's very hard to keep getting all these rejections you know, and I've my few little acceptances in more traditional publishing have been so sweet and duotropes so very nicely. You have a, a better than average <laughs> acceptance rate. And I'm thinking you're just telling me that because you want to keep me. <laughs> you know, it's, but at least they give you that little line down there at the bottom. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> They give you a little line down at the bottom of your submission record. Mm-hmm. I really like it because I like to go back and say, what did I dare send out? You know, what kind of crazy thing did I decide that I thought somebody should put in print? Mm-hmm. And um, down at the very bottom of the line with Duotrope, they'll tell you what your acceptance rate is versus other people who write the same genre that you do. Uh, I see. Yeah. Gotcha. And for poetry, that must be in. I, they must have to use a lot of zeros and decimal points for <laughs> <laughs> like accepted versus submitted poems, like right. especially individually. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to talk about because I mentioned it sort of in the opening bit is you've been asked to speak at the Edgar Allan Poe House um, in March, in March on March eighth. Would you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and what you're going to be doing there? This is rather exciting, really. Um, there trying to do an outreach, particularly with local writers. So they've tapped into the uh, Edgar, um, sorry, the Maryland Writers Association. Um, Risa Miller, who is the director, I think, of uh, performances there, who is also a professor at Hopkins. Um, She um, put feelers out for people to apply to be readers so they're doing a regular readers series. So you have one reader per month, and eventually they'd like to expand it out. Um, so I get to appear there two to three o'clock, uh, March eighth. Read a couple pieces from Poe. Most people read one, but I I chose two shorter poems, and then I get to read from my own work. The requirement is that you're a published author. And then there's a book signing, and then I'll be able to put books in the bookstore there at the Poe House, which is really an honor. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Um, I applied for it 
and basically forgot about it. She and I messaged back and forth a few times, and I gave her my author website, which is joandcooper.com. And then when I received the invitation to do this, she said that I basically had auditioned through my author website. And, you know, I had that. I, thankfully, I keep it up to date. Mm-hmm. And your podcasts oh, the reading that you did are on, the, on there. So fantastic. you really helped me audition. Oh, well, then <laughs> so we'll, just really take, we'll just take credit you then. Credit. I yeah. think you should. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it 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 was it was a tough decision to do away with the writing portion, but mm-hmm. um, with the with the read because for 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 new listeners, we used to have uh, a separate section of the website where an author would read, you know, from a section of their work, and we just we just did away with it because it it, it became the it was labor intensive and people weren't listening to it a lot. So I'm glad that people are listening to yours <laughs> for sure. Um, so. Now what you do as far as, so you're doing the reading, but how have, how else have you kind of promoted the book and? Um... Uh, book signings. Um, Finishing Line Press uh, really helped me out as far as uh, designing a postcard so I could actually do a mailer. I've done some Facebook um, ads. I don't know how effective they are. I mean, to be perfectly frank, I, I don't know that they are at all. Twitter has been helpful. I'm kind of addicted to Twitter. Mm. I think you figured yes. that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also, You're- like, uh, just a little bit of an inside baseball. I mean, it has a gorgeous cover, yes. um, courtesy of Kelly. your wife, Tony, oh. Kelly Russo. Yeah. This is her work. Oh, the, 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 yes. the front two? I knew, I knew that she had done the author photo. No, no, yeah. the cover photo. No, that, that was completely like happenstance lucky. Uh, we went out to Assateague to take the picture of the tree that I'm there on the cover with uh, because that's what I wanted for my cover. And that poor tree was just not photogenic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's photogenic in my mind, but it wasn't photogenic in person. But we took the wrong trail and just came upon this crab apple in just explosion mode. And I just love that picture. I knew it the moment I saw it. Oh, wow. That is the right one. And then it's really funny. She looked down after she took the pictures and she said, don't take another step. There's a big mound next to you. And I looked down and it's (laughs) something like, I don't know what kind of creature lives in a mound at Assateague, but it was really scary. (laughs) (laughs) Saving life or limb for cover photos. I I was thinking that should be a poem too. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, the cover is just gorgeous. It is. I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, when I look at it, I mean, it's just so stunning. And then the title, Birds Like Me, with this, you know, gorgeous tree in bloom. I mean, it's a very, I mean, it's, your eye just goes right to it. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, I have to thank you, because you put that together for me. Um, well, it's easy when you've got, like, you know, it was the job material. that I had was, so I did the, the cover layout, mm-hmm. um, because Finishing Line Press gave you several, and then they... Joan was kind of not feeling those. And she's like, hey, can I just maybe take a stab? And so then very generously, Finishing Line Press says, yep, if you want to come up with something, you can design something, send it to us, and then we'll either give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And so 
um, Joan sent me this gorgeous photo from Kelly. And um, then I just basically had to, you know, do the layout. Bit. So my part was like very, very, very easy. But um, no, it was such a relief. The first cover that I saw, I, th- I don't know whether I texted you or I texted somebody and said, I don't think I'm publishing this. You know <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Joan was said like, you know, you were so excited about this whole thing. And then the cover comes and she's like, oh, no. And so I was like, well, don't don't worry about it this week communicated with the finishing line press and they were very generous they're like hey yeah and I, but i think once they saw what we came up with they mm-hmm. they gave it the thumbs up immediately yeah. so yeah so that was really great I, that I, was a really fun moment i teach a lesson and i think every creative writing teacher teaches no one wants to play with a headless doll mm. about titles well we should have one about covers book covers because they dictate whether or not someone's even willing to look at your book yeah yeah all right, Stephanie, well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. Well, Joan, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and talking with us about your new so book of poetry. Happy to talk to you. <laughs> so What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.